0: Ref Focus with Maples Teasdale, the law firm where real estate really matters.
1: Hello and welcome to the Ref Focus or Refocus podcast where we discuss our top takeaways
0: on current market topics. I'm Brooke. And I'm Catherine. On any Rafe deal, the most important asset is the property, be it an investment asset that is generating rental income an operating asset such as a hotel that is producing revenue or just a property or piece of land that will be developed. Lenders therefore require in-depth property due diligence to ensure that the property can and will provide sufficient security for the loan. In today's episode, we will discuss our top tips on the types of property due diligence required by lenders. Brooke, to kick us off, what form will the property due diligence take? In REF transactions, property DD is satisfied
1: by way of a number of property conditions precedent, CPs, which provides a lender with information it needs in order to make a risk assessment of the value of the property and understand the asset that it is lending against. Arguably, the most important of all the property CPs is the property DD report. The report is typically prepared by the borrower's solicitors, either in the form of a certificate of title, COT, or report on title, ROT, with a City of London Law Society CLLS wrapper certificate. It is a legal report typically addressed or readdressed to the lender so that it can be relied upon by them and it is based upon a review of the underlying documentation and responses from the borrower to questions relating to the property. The reports will contain various statements about the property, for example, for investment property, the details of any relevant leases, including rent and term length. The report content will therefore give the lenders the information it needs to assess the income stream generated by the property. Once the Property DD report is finalised, the lender may also require their lawyers to prepare an overview report based on the COT or ROT, summarising the key issues or any points of concern. Thanks Brooke, and can you tell us what the main difference between the two types of report is? The main difference between the two report types is that the COT is an industry standard certificate produced by the City of London Law Society, whilst each firm of solicitors will have their own form of report on title. Lenders generally prefer the COT because of its uniformity. Lenders know what issues will be covered and can trust that all the important topics will be included. However, on, for example, development deals, it may be more appropriate to use an ROT. The ROT format provides for greater flexibility, allowing more issues to be covered, and requires solicitors to give their professional opinion on any issues raised. This is particularly useful to a lender in terms of its risk assessment, as solicitors can offer guidance on complicated or unusual issues, such as right to light. Further, if a borrower has recently commissioned an ROT, for instance, from when the property was acquired, it may be cheaper to suggest using the existing report. Lenders may be prepared to accept this format if a CLLS wrapper certificate is also prepared. The wrapper can be used to update any matters that may have changed since the ROT was originally produced and ensure that all the standard lender requirements And confirmations are covered, so that the report is equivalent to if a COT had been prepared. In each transaction, the form of report is a negotiation to be had between the borrower and the lender, with both sides taking into account factors such as costs and potential number of issues to be covered. Catherine, could you please tell us about the recent updates to the COT?
0: On the 10th of May of this year, the CLLS released the 8th edition of the COT, an updated its wrapper certificate for the report on title. The main structure of the COT remains the same. However, the changes that have been made include the introduction of a liability cap and a time limit for legal proceedings, which can and should be tailored to reflect the term of the loan. It is important to note that it isn't compulsory to switch to the new edition. For example, if borrowers are refinancing with the same bank and the COT provided on the original transaction was in the 7th edition, lenders are likely to accept the same form for any subsequent reporting.
1: And can you explain what liability caps are and why
0: parties should care about them? The liability cap in the COT limits the amount of damages that can be claimed from the report provider in relation to the COT. The key features of the cap include, firstly, transparency. Liability caps provide certainty. If a cap is included, lenders can better anticipate potential financial exposure and plan accordingly. Two, negotiation leverage. Borrowers who are informed about liability caps can discuss and potentially negotiate them with their lenders. While the primary intent of these caps is to protect report providers from excessive claims, it is also essential that they are set at a level that is fair and justifiable for the lender. Borrowers can discuss the terms of these caps to ensure that they aren't disadvantageous to either party. The cap is usually linked to the value of the deal, property or loan. And thirdly, understanding service level. Evaluating the liability cap proposed by a service provider can offer insight into their confidence level and service quality. For example, a very low cap might raise questions about why it's set that way. The fact that the updated certificate of title now includes a liability cap shows that it is now sufficiently common market practice to include one as standard. This reflects a marked shift in attitude as liability caps were historically unacceptable to lenders due to concerns around increased risk exposure, the belief that caps may compromise the diligence of service providers, And a desire to maintain negotiation leverage however the recent updates to the cot indicate a preference or at least a market tolerance towards having these caps in place this move aims to strike a balance ensuring neither the certifiers nor the lenders feel overburdened or at undue risk now brooke can you tell us a bit more about what the reports will typically cover Reports are extensive. They cover everything
1: from title, planning issues, head and occupational leases, to a summary of search results relating to matters affecting the property. Different assets have unique characteristics. For example, on larger portfolios, instead of analysing every single asset, it may be more prudent to evaluate a representative sample or apply a materiality threshold to multi-let assets where only leases over a certain value are reviewed. Borrowers should be aware of the possible different approaches to avoid any potential hiccups or challenges and to be able to suggest appropriate reporting. For example, although representative reporting on a representative sample may save time and costs, it might not always paint the complete picture, which can lead to oversights or generalizations. Borrowers need to weigh up the pros and cons. If they're confident that the sample represents the whole, then it's a green light. Otherwise, it may be worth accepting the burden and additional cost of a more comprehensive analysis. And last but not least,
0: the valuer. Who are they and what is their role? On financings, the valuer is appointed by the lender. Essentially, they assess the market value of the property. Now, this isn't just a number pulled from thin air, it's based on information provided by the property owner, as well as meticulous research and understanding of the market, comparables within the market, the property condition, and its potential. The valuer's assessment is used by the lender to validate how much the lender is willing to lend against the asset. Following the launch of the 8th edition of the COT, certifiers no longer need to verify that a copy of the COT has been sent to valuers. This has shifted the responsibility to lenders and their lawyers, as whilst the COT no longer requires valuer sign-off, most facility agreements still mandate the valuer's approval of the COT as a CP to ensure that the valuer is aware of any legal issues, as well as the commercial market conditions in reaching their valuation.
1: As we wrap up today's episode... Remember, the scope of the reporting, as well as the reporting itself, can take some time to undertake. Therefore, borrowers are advised to engage advisors early on in the process and factor this process into their timetable. Until next time, thanks for listening.
0: Ref Focus with Maples Teasdale, the law firm where real estate really matters.